it's a real privilege to be with you on such a special Sunday, uh, this family festival, and we've loved it. Helen, my wife and I, uh, we've loved being with you this morning in both the services and celebrating with you. It really is, isn't it, a taste of heaven when we get together from all of our different cultural backgrounds, different nations, but we come together to worship Jesus this is what heaven's a little bit of a taste of heaven's going to be like. It's great, isn't it? I, I do want to apologize, though. I feel like I've not really made an effort when it comes to, to dress. And I, I just want to, sorry, I, I don't know. I probably missed an email from Pastor Nick telling me to wear something uh, colorful today. Uh, but I am dressed in the national costume of, of Elim Pastors. <laughs> of a particular vintage. Uh, obviously, Nick hasn't quite reached that vintage yet, but, but in a few years' time, he'll be doing the same, the jacket and the trousers, you know, etc. So, so anyway, I apologize. Uh, looking around, I, I wish I had known because I would have worn uh, my new Ghanaian shirt. Uh, I knew that would go down well in some parts of the room. Uh, recently, I was, had the privilege of um, being a part of the Church of Pentecost in Ghana, their conference, and they very well looked after myself and a colleague. And at the end of it, they took us to a, a shop and they just literally said, well, you know, we'd like to buy you an outfit for you and for your wife and, uh, you know, help yourself. And it was quite a nice one, I have to say. And um, I was sport for choice, so it would have been a great thing. And I, and I, so maybe if I get, ever get invited back, well, then you'll see the Ghanage. And you'll also see what I chose for Helen. <laughs> I was okay with the shirt for me, but the responsibility. But she actually quite liked it. So that was good, wasn't it? Uh, okay, well, today we're continuing in our series, uh, which we've entitled Bible Heroes. It's a great series, isn't it? In terms of, wow, those people in the Bible that inspire us to live for Jesus. We know that Jesus is the Bible hero, isn't he? The, the book is all about God. It's his story. History is his story, God's story. But it's also good to honor those people in the Bible that inspire us. And to look a little bit deeper uh, with, into some of their lives and what made them the heroes that they are and the heroines that they are. So over the last few weeks, I'm going to test you a little bit. So if you've been away, this is a bit of an update. Uh, but we've been looking at three characters so far uh, in the series. Can anybody help me by just mentioning one of those characters? Moses, somebody said. Kevin's really happy about that because he was doing the preaching on that. So thank you for remembering. Uh, also, anybody else? Samson was the second week, an excellent sermon. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, last week, yes. Silas. Brilliant. Well, at least they remember that by Nick. That's good, isn't it? Uh, so far. And today, I, I'm, I must confess that I'm not, it's not going to kind of take you too obscure, okay? Uh, we're looking at probably one of the major characters in the Bible, certainly in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Anybody with me in terms of choosing him as a bit of a hero? Anybody else like the Apostle Paul, respect him? He is awesome, isn't he? Uh, and this morning, I'm just going to uh, share a little bit from his story and uh, maybe share with you some of the things that really inspire me about him 
and, and hopefully, I'm hoping that they'll be used to inspire you too and encourage you in your journey. So that's kind of where we're doing. I'm going to look at a, a little bit of passage that we read earlier. Uh, we're going to kind of dig into that, and then we're going to go and eat food together. Is that good? It looks really nice out there. I don't know if you snook a bit when you came in. Uh, I don't know, had an ice cream before church. What a great way to start the service uh, or, or something more exotic in the food. It looks amazing, so please stay behind for that. But we are going to uh, look at, uh, give you a little bit of background on the Apostle Paul. For those of you who might be newer to church and not so familiar with this key person in the Bible, here's his CV, okay, put together by me. Um, there's a photograph, uh, slightly bur- blurry on the big screen. I do apologize for that. I need a better quality image next time. Um, anyway, he's, he started life off life being called Saul, and then uh, his name was changed to Paul, and that's how we know him. His place of birth was Tarsus, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey. Um, His occupation, well, he did various things during his life. He was a man of many talents, as we will see. But specifically, he was an apostle. He was somebody chosen by God to take the gospel message. Remember, this is the start of the church. And nobody knows the gospel, hardly anybody does, and it needs some people to go and share the message with people around the globe that have never heard it. And Paul is one of those special people that is chosen and anointed and empowered by God to go out and share the good news, and we call those apostles. He was also a tent maker, Uh, so he wasn't always paid by the church or by the Christian believers. Uh, He often had to support himself. Because again, the church was new. He was breaking new ground. There was no body of believers to support him. So he needed other people to support, um, sorry, he needed to support himself. And he was a tent maker. And that is exactly how it sounds. That's what he did. Okay, we go on. Number two is religion. Well, he was brought up in the Jewish faith. He was a Jew. He was zealous. He had impeccable credentials. He'd been to all the right places of learning. He knew all the right people. He was a high-flying Jew. He was passionate and zealous, and he hated Christians. He saw Christians, people like you and me, converts to Christ. He saw us a real problem, and his desire and his passion, the thing that drove him, was to exterminate Christians, to eradicate Christianity, and to encourage the growth of the Jewish customs and the Jewish faith. That was until, if we go to the next slide, uh, we get to Acts chapter 9, when en route to Damascus, and you'll know this story, I'm sure many of you, uh, to persecute the church, he has an amazing God encounter, a vision, where God appears to him and says, Saul, you're going in the wrong direction. You're doing, why are you persecuting me? In all of your zealousness, you've got it wrongly directed. We love your zeal, but it's in the wrong focus. And God comes and he gets converted, born again. He does a 180, literally in his life, not on the road, but he does a 180 and starts being zealous for God. So that zealousness that he had for the Jewish faith and to eradicate Christians, God says, I can use that, but it needs to be rightly directed. And I want to use you for my purposes. Friends, I want to say that should encourage any of us in the room right now. You know, if you're not a believer, if you don't know, maybe you just kind of come along today because you heard there was food going on. Well, you're very welcome. But I want to say more than that, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
You know, you may find yourself today wandering in a different direction. You may be passionate about your do- what you're doing, but I want to say to you, if God's not in it, then it's not really what God intended for your life. And if God created you, as we believe he did, then he does know what's best for you, and he has got a plan and a purpose. And today, we'd love to share with you a little bit more about that. Okay, so I won't go into that anymore, but I just want to say, I don't think it's by coincidence you're here today. I really believe that God wants to talk to you about what he wants you to do with your, uh, with your life, with your future. And that's a great thing. We may not be Apostle Paul, and it's really easy for us today to be quite intimidated by this character because he's so awesome. He's so anointed. He's so gifted. He's so committed. He's so used by God. He's got such an amazing CV that most of us would go, well, uh, compared with him, I'm just nothing. But I want to encourage you. God doesn't see you that way. He's not calling you to be Apostle Paul. He's calling you to be the best person you can be. He's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to be passionate and to use your skills, your giftings, your abilities, where he's called you. He's not necessarily calling you out of where you are into, I don't know, some like full-time paid Christian ministry. He wants to use you where you are to take the good news of Jesus to where you are. And that's kind of why he inspires me, if I'm honest. So what might his hobbies have been, we don't really know, but he loved planting churches. He loved preaching where nobody had ever preached before. He loved traveling. He loved writing. Much of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Probably only Luke gets close uh, to Paul when it comes to the amount of writing in the New Testament. It's an incredible man, multiple giftings, And obviously, he must have been quite a decent public speaker, I would imagine. And so, therefore, maybe that was his hobby. Marital status, for those of you who are interested in those things. um, Well, we we don't really know is the short answer. Sorry about that. Uh, Some people would say they think for part of the New Testament time, he may have been married. uh, uh, But there's no real clear, did, did something happen to his wife? We don't know. So it probably is best to think that maybe he wasn't married but we don't really know is the answer. And one final bit of trivia that you may or may not know about him, uh, that his favorite football team (laughs) was Birmingham City. Do we have any Birmingham City fans in the building that are willing to confess that? Okay, where are you, brother? Oh, right in the back. Hey, God bless you. I'm from Bristol and you beat us yesterday, but I forgive you. And why did he support Birmingham City? Well, well, it does say in the Bible that that God did talk to Paul about how much he should suffer for the kingdom of God. So we know that Birmingham City has done a bit of that. So anyway, there we are. Be encouraged. And And maybe he was. Maybe when we get to heaven, we can just check that out. And uh, you can come and have a chat with me if I've got that wrong. Um, But anyway, why, why do I like this man so much? And why did I choose the passage that was read so brilliant for us? Why did I choose that passage? Well, I think of all the passages about the Apostle Paul, and there's lots to choose from, this passage really inspires me. And it's particularly, let's look at these couple of three verses that really inspire me and kind of get to the core of why I like it. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they won over the crowd. Remember, Paul had been preaching. uh, Well, he'd done a mighty miracle. God had done a mighty miracle. Somebody who was lame from birth was suddenly healed. And the people in the town, because they were Jew, uh, Greek 
worship, they, they worship Greek gods. They thought, oh, these are gods come down. What amazing. These miracles happened. This man that was born lame is now walking. It must be God has come. Maybe Barnabas and Paul are gods. And they started trying to sacrifice to them. Incredible. Like, whoa. And Paul's going, oh, no. It wasn't supposed to be like this. No, it's not us that has healed this man. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, the one that we crucified who's risen again. It's his power that this is done. And so his sermon is a bit like that. It's kind of going, no, guys, it's not me. It's Jesus. Don't worship us. Worship him. It's kind of eyes on Jesus. He's the real hero in the story. And then some bad people come from the previous town where Paul and Barnabas were preaching. They hated them so much. Imagine that. Like, Somebody hated me so much that next week they find out where I'm preaching and come along and go, come, we want to stone him because he's so bad. And, um, you know, so imagine that. That's kind of thing. They've been preaching. Uh, Loads of people have got saved, but other people, a bit like Paul in his history, were like, this is bad. This, This is bad news. This Christianity is bad news. We need to get rid of these people. And so they start, they turn the crowd and the crowd turn, get this, from worshipping them one moment and offering sacrifice or trying to, the next minute they're stoning them. It's like all in a day. You know, it's like this sermon's going so well and then the next minute they want to stone me and run me out of town. This is not a good day, is it? This is a challenge. And it says what happens is that eventually they stoned him so much that I think they thought he was dead and they dragged his body outside the town and they left him. At that point, what happened? But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Well, we'll look at that in a minute, but hang on a second. Yeah, I thought he was dead. And now he's wandering. He's not going in in a stretcher, like into the, you know, let's take him to A&E. He's walking back. So something's happened, doesn't it? Okay. Did you, you notice this when I'm reading it? Okay, but... But something's happened here, okay? And that'd be interesting to look at. And then what I love is the next day, it says he and Barnabas left for Derby or Derby, which is like 75 miles away. You think about this guy. Was, was that a bad day? It's like, oh, I'm taking tomorrow off. Like I'm ringing, you know, he doesn't go ring in sick, whoever he needs to, and go, I, I'm, I've had a rotten day. They tried to stone me and it really hurt, but I'm much better he just gets on with it, gets on his, I don't know, a lot of it was walking, I suspect. They walked along to the next part, and then it finishes. They preached the gospel in that city and were a large number of disciples. I don't know about anybody else inspired by that passage. Anybody inspired by what God can do uh, when a life is yielded to him, what we could do. The potential in each and every one of us believers is huge, isn't it? That Paul is unique but you're unique, but God wants to use you, I think, and he wants to use me in ways like he used Paul. It's just about how available am I? How available are you? I think Paul was sold out for Jesus. And because of that, Jesus to do amazing things through him. And the same is true for us. So why do I love this man so much? What, what is it particularly that I want to highlight today? Well, three things, if we have the time, we may not have the time, but I have to go quick. The first one is this, that he was resilient. He was resilient. For the Apostle Paul, and you can follow his journey through the book of Acts, it was tough going. 
He didn't, you know, travel around in some sort of chauffeur-driven limousine and just turn up at the next meeting, preach the sermon, gather the church, start it, open a building and move on to the next one. That was not how it was. It was by hard work, by graft, by persecution, through difficulty, through struggle, through blood and sweat and tears and all of it. He was able to build the help with the, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit to get something started. And friends, I want to say to you, sometimes that's how our Christian lives are. That we may not have realized when we started following Jesus, it was going to be tough. That maybe at times we thought, hey, it's going to be just a great journey together with Jesus. You know, I'm going to be blessed. Everything's going to go all right. Well, if that is your thinking about how it is, then I'm sorry to disappoint you. But sometimes the Christian life is hard. Is that right? Sometimes it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a struggle to be different, to believe things that are different, to have a different worldview than people around you. That is not easy, but it never was easy. And so we can encourage that those who've gone before us to also know what we're going through. But let me share with you um, about resilience. I think there's a scripture passage uh, coming through. I think it's from 2 Corinthians. Could we put that one up? I think it may be. There we go. Uh, yeah, let's read this. I have, does it start on the previous slide? Sorry. This is Paul describing his life, okay? He says this, Five times I have re- received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger at outer space. No, it doesn't say this. And in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. But I'm still going on. You think, well, this morning I've had a tough Christian life. Well, how does it, how does it measure up with that? And I want to say this morning, and it may not be quite what you want to hear, but, but actually being a Christian is, is not always easy. It is difficult but God is with you and he will get you through. And all you need to do is keep going sometimes. You just made your fix your face like a flint as it were and go, okay, I'm going to do it. It's not easy. My flesh doesn't like it. I don't feel good about this, but I'm believing Jesus that he who began a good work is going to bring it to completion. I believe that he is going to, he is a good God. He does keep his promises as we've been singing about. And I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on believing. And I'm going to keep on declaring that he is Lord and I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. I'm going to see it. And I'm believing it. God is faithful and God is true. See, when Jesus was around, he, he talked to his disciples and often outlined the, the, the cost of being a disciple. He wasn't, it wasn't like in the small print. Jesus went up front and talked about it. He even said this, that we are to take up our cross and follow him. I wish he'd said, let's take up your sun lounger or your most comfortable settee and chair and follow me. No, he said, take up your cross, that, 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 that sense of crucifixion, of denial, of sacrifice. 
He says, it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it. Because as we die, we also live. As we give our lives to God, then something even better comes back. But something has to die before something else can live in our lives as we surrender to him. And Jesus didn't just talk about this, as we know. He modeled it on the cross, didn't he? And he gave his life upon the cross. And then what happened? Did it end there? Uh Uh-uh. No, it didn't. We know that. That three days later, what happened? He rose victorious from the grave. Amen? The absolute center point of the Christian message and faith, the central point of history, is that Jesus died, and three days later, he rose again from the dead, never to die again. With eternal life, he broke the power of death He paid the price for your sins and for my sins, and he gave us eternal life for those who believe. Amen. That is great news. And why is it relevant for us today? Well, the Bible says this, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, which in a sense was the greatest act of resilience the world has ever seen. Somebody was dead. The Son of God was dead, and now he's risen, never more to die. That is resilience, is it not? And the Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and is living in me. I think that's worth repeating. It's living in you today. Where's the Holy Spirit? He's in you, and you, and you, and you. And you, and you might think, well, I'm going through such pain at the moment. You know, resilience is, is about being stretched, but then resuming your original position. Like an elastic band, we can pull an elastic band, but because it's a resilient material, when we lose the pressure, it comes back. It's resilient. And I want to encourage you, you're more resilient than you think you are. You might think, I'm gonna, if I get stretched anymore in this situation, if it gets any more difficult, I'm going to break. I want to tell you, no, you won't. Because God's with you. If you love Jesus and you're a Christian here today, his Holy Spirit, where's the Holy Spirit? He's living in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus back to life, that broke the power of death, is living where? In you today. And you might say, I don't know if I can keep going with this relationship anymore. Well, maybe in your own strength you can't, but God's going, yes, you can. Because I'm living inside of you. And I'm stronger. And I'll strengthen you and I'll help you. And you might think, oh, it's just too costly to be a Christian at university. I'm scared about going back next term or taking a step into the unknown. And I, I don't know if I'll be able to make it as a Christian. I don't know whether I'll be able to have my, keep hold of my faith. Well, you may not, but God will. And the Holy Spirit's living in you, and he's going to help you. And, and we can apply it across the board and let me, you, you, you can do it. You can do it. Why? Because you're more resilient than you think you are. See, related to the word resilience is, is the word buoyancy. And we know what buoyancy is, but let me just illustrate it for a moment. We've got this dish of water, bowl of water, and I've got a table tennis ball. And what happens when I push the ball under and I keep my finger on it, it stays submerged in the water. But because the table tennis ball is buoyant, when I let the pressure go, what happens? This is junior school science. It's buoyant. It 
bobs up to the surface again. It comes back up to the surface. And however hard I push it down, it doesn't stay down because as soon as I let go of the pressure, I want to say that's quite a good picture where some of us might be today. You might have come into church by dying by the challenges of today, but God wants to encourage you. He's with you. His Holy Spirit is inside of you and you can overcome. And that's why I love Paul because however hard it got, however difficult it got, he just kept going. He just kept going. So you can be the best teacher, the best preacher, the best writer in the world, but if you don't keep going, then nothing happens. It needed his body to keep going and keep moving. And why was he able to do it? Because the Holy Spirit was in him and is in you today. Anybody need to hear that? That he's in you. He's in you. You can do this. And very, very quickly, I love the Apostle Paul, and I love this story, not only because it shows that he's resilient, but number two, it showed that he was very relational, that he wasn't trying to do it in his strength, in his own strength. He was incredibly relational. You know, if if anybody in the New Testament who could have done it on their own, it was probably the Apostle Paul, because he was just one of those people that could do it all. You know, it seems anyway, but he knew that he needed other people. He didn't just speak about the church being a body. He lived it. At the end of the book of Romans, he starts, and you can read this in chapter 16, he starts thanking people that have helped him on his journey. And he lists, I think it's 28 people by name and says, would you say thank you to that person and thank you to that person and thank you to that person. And I really appreciate that person. And that person was really kind when they did this to me and that kind of thing. 28 people, he needed it. And he never needed them more in the story that we told when they stoned him and they laid him outside the city. When have you ever asked yourself the question, what would have happened had the disciples not gathered round? I don't know. Is this your answer? Is it possible that he could have died? I mean, clearly he was severely injured. And he may have died. God may have raised him up to life without anybody else around But what's interesting is that what happened on that day, because he wasn't alone, when the bad characters had disappeared, the disciples, the followers got around him and they prayed for him. At least we think he prayed for him. They did something. I'm guessing what would we do? We would pray, wouldn't we? Some of us would have got down on hands and knees and we would have attended to his wounds. But others, I suspect, got around him and started praying, God, we need this man. God, raise him back up to life. In the name of Jesus, be healed, Paul. I don't know what happened. I suspect that's something that happened and suddenly he comes back to life and suddenly the bruising's gone and the big uh, cut on his face, suddenly that's healed and he's restored and they've seen two miracles in a day. The man that was lame is raised to life and full health and strength and and Paul that was almost dead is raised to life again. But why was he able to enjoy that? Why? I think one of the reasons because he believed in relationship. And I just want to underscore, we all need it. You need everybody else and everybody else needs you. And I want to encourage you at the beginning of like a new term. I often think like uh, September is like a new season for the church, isn't it? Almost more so than January sometimes. This is, there's never been a better opportunity. If this is speaking to you today, to get involved. And maybe over the last few months, the last couple of years, you know, you kind of got a little bit more casual with church. You got a little bit disengaged. Maybe some of your friends have moved away or or you just kind of lost maybe a bit of your passion 
for God, I want to say, don't wait for the feelings to come back. Make a faith decision and go, I'm going to get connected. As from September, I'm going to go to some of these events. I'm going to get plugged into the prayer meeting or some sort of um, you know, group meeting during the week. I'm going to make myself more readily. I'm going to you know, come more regularly on a Sunday. Whatever it means, I want to encourage you to do it. Why? Because you need it and everybody else needs it. They need you and you need them. Enough said. Finally, I've got a minute left. My final point is I love Paul not only because he's resilient, he's relational. I love him for the final reason, and that is he's relentless. He is relentless. When I am tempted to take my foot off the pedal, as it were, I look at Paul and I think, I've just got to keep going. Not because I'm a workaholic or anything like that. That's not good. But, but I want to be relentless for the gospel. And what he did and what I love about it is, if we can go to the next slide, is when we see him here, it says this. You know, remember, he's been beaten almost to death. He's been stoned almost to death. The disciples have prayed for him. He's come back to, to life. And then it says the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. It was something about Paul, that he knew what he was called to do. He just was crystal clear about the why. Why and what he was doing. Do you get me with that? He knew that God had called him to take the good news to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And he was determined to do that. And he was believing that if God's asked him to do it, then God was going to help him to get there. And no matter all that he had to suffer, he was going to be able to do it. And I want to encourage us as well, as we go into this new season, as we look at those who've gone before us, in a sense, the Apostle Paul is not here anymore. But we can be inspired by his life. We may not be him, but could we be believers? Could we be a church that's passionate about the gospel? It's passionate about living for Jesus. It's passionate about making a difference where we work and where we study and where we live. And that we don't become quiet Christians. But in this new season, we say, God, could you help us? Could you fill us with your passion and with your zeal? And Lord, help us to share the good news wherever we go. In the Bible, Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel but it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There's nobody that lived it more than him. He was not ashamed. He was prepared to suffer. Uh, why? Because people needed Jesus. And the people of Lystra needed Jesus. And the people of Birmingham, of your area, of your suburb, your community, your workplace, they need Jesus. Can I encourage you today? from the Apostle Paul, keep going, keep going. If you feel a little bit submerged by life and circumstances, and often we do, remember that the Holy Spirit's in you. Remember that you need each other. You can't do this alone. The enemy says, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go along to church. You don't need to listen online. You don't need, a, you don't need that. You can do it on your own. You're strong enough. You're good enough. You need each other. That's what the Bible says. Do not give up meeting together. Finally, he was relentless. Lord, could you create in me that relentless spirit? He goes, I, I'm, please help me, God. I'm not the greatest evangelist. Personally, it's not my, naturally my gift. 
But Lord, I want to be good at sharing the good news, of living the good news in my family, in my home, in my neighborhood, in my workplace. Lord, I want to be relentless because I believe that people need you. Could the worship team come back, Kev, and take us into our final song? But we're just going to bow our heads. Father, we just want to say thank you for those great heroes of the faith that have gone before us to inspire us, to give us an example. Thank you that we've talked about their strengths, but we can also talk about weaknesses as well. These were not perfect people, only you're perfect. But Lord, today we pray. For those who need encouragement, who feel under pressure, would you fill them with your spirit today? Would you cause them to rise? Lord, breathe hope into their lungs today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. For those who feel disconnected, Lord, would you reconnect us with your family this season? Lord, would you help us to be relentless, passionate, and prioritize the sharing of your word with people that don't know what you've done for them? In Jesus' name, amen.